Welcome to episode 192 of the first 40 miles. If you're new to backpacking, or if you're hopelessly in love with someone who wants you to love backpacking, then this podcast is for you. We'll talk about the essentials, how to lighten your load, and how to make the most of your time on the trail. I'm your host, Heather Legler. And I'm Josh Legler. And this is The First 40 Miles. Today on The First 40 Miles, sometimes life gets out of control. And when that happens, it's time to get back to basics. We'll talk a little bit about how you can simplify your backpacking trips. Then, the top five ways that backpacking can make you more effective, more productive, and less stressed. Next, if you've always wondered how Native Americans hung their laundry to dry before clothespins were invented, we've got something you might be interested in. Then, we'll share a simple one-ingredient backpack hack for your next trip. All this, and that's about it today on the first 40 miles. Life can get complicated, Uh (laughs) Um, but sometimes this even spills over into backpacking. We can overcomplicate things, even in something that's supposed to be really simple. Are we guilty of overambitious planning, unrealistic expectations, or even like redefining the necessities. I know a lot of that can happen when we look at REI catalogs or browse through the outdoor store. We look at all these things that are basically screaming at us, bring us along. You need me. Yeah, take me on your next backpacking trip. Or even what you have isn't good enough. You could have a much better time if you brought me along. I have all of these features that your current gear doesn't have. Look at this picture on my packaging. You'll be happier if you have me on your backpacking trip. So maybe if you're guilty of complicating something that's supposed to be really simple, then maybe it's time to drill down to the core of backpacking. You know, a few weeks ago when we posted that question about how would you, what what words would you use to describe your first backpacking trip? One person's response on Facebook was, how do you define trip? And we said, a trip is going somewhere and returning. And they said, okay, well, fair enough, and and then kind of described uh, some words from their first trip. That's it. That's all there is to it. A trip is going somewhere and coming back. So when we talk about backpacking or a backpacking trip, well, we can load that up with all kinds of concepts. But basically, it's going somewhere and coming back with something on your back. Backpacking, I, I think we can say that it implies using your own power to to go. For most of us, that's walking. For some people, that's a wheelchair. They can still go backpacking. But everything else is things that we add to it in our mind. We think about backpacking as being overnight and including meals and including a tent or a hammock. It includes a particular kind of trail. Like It can't be a road, right? It needs to be a single track trail. It needs to have elevation gain. Um, It needs to be over a certain elevation, but as long as you go somewhere with a pack on your back and return, that's the core, that's the essence. Everything else may be great to attach to backpacking. We love all those things, but when life gets complicated, it's okay to simplify. Well, I remember a couple of years ago when I went to girls camp, there were fire restrictions and that was hard for everyone because we thought, well, what's girls camp without fire? And it was just, it was an expectation that we had. We thought, oh, you got to have fire at girls camp. 
But it turned out we could have girls camp without fire. And same thing with backpacking. We've been on backpacking trips with fire restrictions. We've been on backpacking trips that start out with Domino's Pizza. We've been on backpacking trips where we come home early because things didn't work out. Um, we've been on backpacking trips that ended up migrating to a campground. So are these all failures or did we just overcomplicate things by trying to define backpacking as something that it isn't? I think your definition of um, a backpacking trip being going out and coming back with something on your back implies that you survived. And so I think bringing along survival tools or survival essentials is one of the basics of backpacking. So water, some kind of shelter or protection from the elements, and then the 10 essentials. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I oversimplified it to make a point. But yes, coming back implies that you survived the trip. And so there are certain things. You do need to be prepared for a backpacking trip. Um so you don't just go out there saying, oh, I'm going to go backpacking without some preparation. But you can simplify that preparation and you can make sure that you have the essentials in place and that you don't overcomplicate it with expectations that may not be necessary. So I have a question for our first 40 milers. Have you ever been guilty of overambitious planning or letting those overambitious plans actually interfere with getting out? Have you ever been guilty of unrealistic expectations? Have any of these things gotten in the way of you getting out on a backpacking trip? We'd love to hear your comments either on Facebook or Twitter, or if you have a story to share about overcomplicating a backpacking trip, you can go to thefirst40miles.com slash story. For today's top five list, the top five ways that backpacking increases your productivity. I don't know of a person in the world that wouldn't love to be more productive. It's a topic that shows up a lot in my YouTube feed. So I must have clicked on some videos that let them know uh, that I was interested in being more productive and using my time more effectively. Well, it seems like the last thing in the world that you would want to do if you're trying to be productive is head out for a backpacking trip. It just seems so counterintuitive. Like, why would you put aside your work and all your responsibilities to go out and just sit in a forest and fill up your shoes with rocks. What's the point in that? It's not getting anything done. Well, backpacking might just be the key to increasing your productivity at home, at work, and in all of your other projects. Have you heard the statistic that says something about how Americans don't use all of their vacation time that they get at work? They, they actually end up losing vacation time No, because they didn't take it. I think we all have a book knowledge of like that book knowledge understanding that taking time off is good for us and it re-energizes and recharges us. However, I don't know how often we actually believe that. We know it, but we don't believe it. And backpacking is one of those things. It's time off from all that stuff you're doing in life and it's going to help you when you come back to all that stuff. We know that, but do we believe it? But how, Josh? How does it all work? <laughs> well, the number one way that backpacking increases your productivity is that it resets your internal clock. There are about a billion YouTube videos claiming that waking up at 5 a.m. will change your life. And it's true. Waking up early will make you more productive, more focused, healthy, wealthy, wise. But that's not the full story. 
The real secret to success and to productivity isn't the waking up at 5 a.m. part, but the getting to bed at 9 p.m. part. Waking up early is not going to make you automatically successful. You've got to get the full amount of sleep. And backpacking gives you the perfect opportunity to reset your internal clock. Quite frequently on backpacking trips, it'll start to get dark. We'll all go to our hammocks or tents and kind of get in bed. And then one of us will turn on our phone and be like, oh, it's 8.39. Yeah. Well, uh, let's go to bed. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing else to do. It seems like it's time to go to bed. It just feels like it's time to go to bed because it's dark and you don't have all of these distractions around you. And so going out backpacking is a great opportunity to get to bed early and start that habit. And of course, getting to bed early means that you'll be wide awake at 5 a.m., ready to go, which is good because the birds wake up around 5 a.m. Oh, they do. That's for sure. in our neighborhood. Well, I have noticed it more than ever this summer and spring. It's right before it gets light. So it's really early in the morning. There's just this plethora of chirping. Right. And if we leave our windows open, then it's like nature's alarm clock. (laughs) Time to wake up up. (laughs) because the sun is going to come up in an hour or two and you want to be up for it. (laughs) Right. Well, the number two way that backpacking increases your productivity is that it increases your capacity to do hard things. We don't go backpacking every day because that would be hard. So, you know, backpacking is a hard thing. And by doing it, by pushing forward, even when it's difficult, that you're increasing your capacity to do hard things in all areas of your life because life skills transfer to each other. When you do something hard in one area, it increases your capacity to do something hard in other areas. I have things in my work that are hard and challenging, not physically, maybe not like on a backpacking trip. They're mentally hard. The hardest thing about them is that they're unsolved problems. And there's this sort of trigger in the mind that wants to walk away from the problem, wants to give up. You start to work on it a little bit. You say, oh, this is challenging. Let's see. Maybe I can go do this other thing instead. And, and you, you mentally walk away from it because it's hard. Well, the, when you go on a backpacking trip and you encounter something hard, it may be physically hard, and yet it's still that mind that is driving everything. So even though it's a physical thing, it's your mind as well. And you keep that mental focus, that mental ability to say, okay, this is hard, but I'm not going to look for how to get out of it because I know I can't. I just have to keep hiking to get to our campsite or whatever the hard thing might be on that backpacking trip. Well, even though that was a physical thing, your mind was involved. And when you come back to work, your mind has been strengthened in its ability to face something difficult and to keep working on it and to work through it instead of walking away from it. The number three way that backpacking increases your productivity is that it forces you to prioritize. Going on a backpacking trip means that you're going to only be able to take a certain number of things or just what can fit in your pack, which means that you need to rethink everything. I try to make a lot of this prioritizing happen before I leave on a trip, but quite often I find myself questioning my backpacking priorities on the trip which is why I bring a pencil and paper, because I start to make little notes about what I should have brought, what I 
Wish I hadn't brought. Do I really need this? Did I even use it? Should I have left it at home? Or what would happen if I left it at home next time? Maybe that's a good question to ask. So building this skill of forecasting or prioritizing is a transferable skill that can help you with your productivity. In my work right now, I'm working on a project where I'm trying to essentially automate something that I've been doing manually for quite a while. So I really know what I'm doing, but I'm trying to translate that into an automated process that does it for me. So I'm building something I haven't built before. And um, I saw this chart a few months ago that really seems to apply right now in my work. And I think it applies in a backpacking trip as well. It's, it's when someone comes up with a great new idea for a new product or something, and it charts their, um, I guess you could say their confidence level or their, uh, their mood. So it's really high at first where they're like, this is the best idea ever. This is going to be amazing. And then it goes downhill from there to, oh, this is more challenging than I thought. Oh, this, oh, I'm going to have to take out this feature and this cool thing. And so that's where prioritizing happens as you go downhill and realize that this best thing ever is actually really challenging and maybe isn't going to quite end up how you thought it would be. And you ultimately get to what the chart termed as the dark night of the soul, where you realize that this project is going to be nothing like you had originally envisioned. It's going to fail. But then the chart goes back up a little bit, not way up, but a little bit up because you eventually get the project done and it does something. It kind of fulfills the original purpose. It just doesn't fulfill it with all the bells and whistles that you had envisioned. And so in the end, you finish, it accomplishes something, it's pretty good, just not as amazing as you thought it would be in the beginning. <laughs> and backpacking can take us through that sort of a cycle sometimes where you start into it going, this is gonna be the most amazing thing ever. And then you start hiking and the reality of a 10 mile day kind of sets in. And by the end of that 10 miles, you're down in that dark night of the soul going, oh, I thought this was gonna be super amazing, but that was actually just really hard. And there was a lot of walking, but it rebounds. You, you make it through that hard, dark part and you come out going, oh, that was actually okay. And what you're doing along the way, I think, is you're prioritizing. And there are some things you go into the trip with, maybe some expectations or plans that are perhaps extras. And you prioritize away those extras as you get into that part where you're like, well, I need to just focus on getting these 10 miles in or whatever it might be. You really focus down on what really matters and cut out a lot of the other stuff. Well, you bring that experience back to the rest of your life. You bring it back to your work and, and other areas of life. And I think that's a good experience to have. As you work on projects at work or whatever else it might be, uh, that ability to kind of cut through the extras and figure out what the essential is, that really increases that ability that you have to prioritize to get to places that really matter. The number four way that backpacking increases your productivity is that it teaches you to grow your margin. Margin is a productivity principle that means that you build in extra capacity into your life or your schedule, your personal space, so that you have the capacity to give, to help another traveler, to carry an extra load, to respond to an emergency, or to share. Growing your margin is a really simple 
principle to understand, but it's a really difficult one to implement because when we have extra space around us, say physically in our homes, our first instinct is to fill that space with stuff. And when we have a backpack, our first instinct is to fill up every single pocket. You know, if we have a 65 liter pack, let's put 65 liters worth of stuff inside and maybe dangle some stuff on the outside. But growing your margin means that you have a little bit of extra space and not just physically, but emotionally. And maybe this principle goes right along with prioritizing, but I feel like it's a little bit different because you're actually cutting things out with the specific purpose of having that extra empty space available just in case. You know, it's funny, just in case, that phrase, we use it a lot to add things into our life but I think it can apply to this principle of growing your margin. You need that empty space just in case. And if you can apply the principle of margin to your backpacking trip, it'll actually transfer beautifully to increasing your productivity in all other aspects of your life. If you can have that extra space in your pack and have the little extra space on your desk or little extra time in your life to give to the people that you love, you have the opportunity to use that margin in meaningful ways. And the number five way that backpacking can increase your productivity is that you come home changed. And this principle of taking a break from your everyday activities to do something that will recharge you is an ancient concept. I mean, think of the Sabbath day that one day in seven where you set aside everything else, your work, your daily labor, all those things that are weighing on your mind, you set those aside and focus on one thing. It's your day of rest. And there's a reason for taking that break. Taking a rest or walking away from a project for a while may be just what you need to reset your brain and approach that project with fresh eyes and with new ideas. So Josh, I know you are busy this month, not just this month, Mm -hmm. but this whole summer. Yeah. I'm curious, in what ways has backpacking increased your productivity? I'm a big fan of the white space idea, and I'm also a big fan of the sabbatical idea of taking time off every so often. And I try to schedule in those uh, vacations in my work schedule. It's going to be extra difficult for me this summer because the way my contracts are set up, I'm overscheduled through the summer. I have to work more hours than I usually would. And uh, it's going to be really hard for me this summer to truly believe what I know. (laughs) Like we started with, for me to truly take those breaks that will recharge me, knowing how much work I have left to do. Maybe I can give a report at the end of the summer (laughs) um, on how it went, because we do have some trips planned and we're going to take them. And I'm going to leave my work behind for those trips including the week that we're going to spend with Steve on the Pacific Crest Trail. But I also know I have these significant projects, one in particular that's that's quite large, and I've got to focus on that project. I've got to put in complete days, day after day, to make progress on that project. It's not one that I can do an hour here and an hour there. Um, I can't chop up my time that way. I've got to really focus on it. And so I guess for me, it's going to mean having some long days where I focus entirely on this project that I'm working on so that I can make progress on it, and then having entire days where I'm not at work at all, out on a trip, 
hopefully relaxing, hopefully not worrying about how little progress I'm making on the project, hopefully having a time to recharge, to uh, get fresh ideas, to come back and approach it with a fresh perspective when I come back. But it, this summer is going to be my test. Well, we do have a trip planned for next week, so we will have the opportunity to reset our internal clock, maybe do some challenging things, prioritize, leave a little extra margin in our lives, and then come home changed and ready to tackle our projects. For today's Summit Gear Review, we'll be reviewing the Survival Skill of the Month Club. Survival skills are something that's interested me for a long time because whenever we're outside with our titanium mugs and our DWR-treated rain gear, I just think, how on earth did the Native Americans even, how did they survive? They spent so much time outdoors. How did they deal with things that we as backpackers deal with, but without an outdoor store? They had skills and they had patience to learn those skills or develop ways of doing things. And then they passed them down. Well, a lot of those skills aren't being passed down because if you need something for backpacking or for anything, you just go to a store, you buy it and you go home. So it's really fun to think about how Native peoples did things before there were REIs and Walmarts and grocery stores. They had to come up with their own ways of doing things. Well, this Survival Skill of the Month Club is the brainchild of Creek Stewart. He created this so that he could teach those ancient bushcrafting skills in a way that was accessible to everyone. So for this specific product, the Survival Skill of the Month Club, you start out by receiving a durable binder, and then each month you're sent a six to eight page skill sheet with loads of pictures and detailed step-by-step -step instructions. And it's all printed in full color on this super durable cardstock. And the skills that are covered in the Survival Skill of the Month Club are shelter, water, fire, tools, containers, foraging, hunting, cordage, first aid, cooking, clothing. And those are just the main topics. He'll teach you how to do fire in ways that you have never heard of before or create containers using skills that are almost on the edge of extinction. Creek Stewart also does a really great job of teaching survival skills from all environments. So you'll see things from the wilderness, uh, from desert, even urban survival skills. So even if you don't live in a forest, you'll still be able to gain something from this survival skill of the month club. You'll also be invited to join this survival skill of the month club mastermind group which I think is a really valuable part of this because you'll be able to ask a ton of questions. You'll be able to post your successes and the pictures, and you'll be able to see what everyone else is doing too, which I think that's part of the fun, you know? Like, what does everyone else's project look like? So there's a new skill each month, and it covers one topic in depth. And when I say in depth, you'll learn some history behind it, You'll learn peripheral skills that go with that main skill, and you will become a master of this one survival skill. 
And, you know, the truth is you may not ever use that survival skill in a survival situation, but there's something about learning a skill that makes you feel empowered, not so weak, not so helpless. You'll actually know how to do something all the way. Yeah, it's really fun. When I first learned how to start fire with flint and steel and a little cotton ball, it was really cool. As a teenager, I, I just remember being so proud of myself, I guess, because I didn't need a match or a lighter anymore. This was so simple, and I'd figured it out, and it worked. And then you get these skills from Creek Stewart. He'll teach you ways of starting a fire that you didn't even know existed. And it's, it's just so fun to master one of those methods. And yep, maybe there's never a time where you're forced to use that way of starting a fire, where it's a matter of life and death and survival, but it's just fun. You go out on a backpacking trip and you, you start a fire using one of these different methods, and it's a big confidence boost. You realize that you know multiple ways of doing something. For investment, the Survival Skill of the Month Club is $6.99 a month. And if you think about it, taking a college course is hundreds of dollars per credit hour. And this is kind of like a college course in survival skills done at a pace that I think most of us can handle one thing a month. Yep, we can probably fit that into our lives. And of course, he offers a full refund if you're not satisfied. For trial, these are pretty in-depth, intense projects. These are not the kinds of things that you did in Cub Scouts. These are legitimate, ancient ways, survival skills. And you'll learn more than just one skill per project, which I think is really cool. So he'll involve lots of different um, concepts that all feed into this one project. And he'll walk you through everything. It's so beautiful. He's, I think, uh, a really great teacher. But you'll learn about plants. You'll learn about history along the way. You'll learn about chemistry. You'll learn new vocabulary. And you'll be inspired by the creativity of people hundreds of years ago who only had the resources of the natural world to work with. We'll have a link to the Survival Skill of the Month Club in our show notes today, and you can find that at thefirst40miles.com slash 192. For today's backpack hack of the week, easy banana chips in the dehydrator. This is a one ingredient wonder. I love it because all you need are bananas. All you do is slice them into discs and then lay them out in a single layer on a dehydrator. Dehydrate them until they're hard and then store them in an airtight container. These won't be crunchy like the store-bought banana chips because they're different. The ones that you buy in the store, those are actually fried. These ones are going to be chewy and satisfying and healthy, and they just have one ingredient, bananas. <laughs> Is this a good way to use overripe bananas? Does it work better with underripe bananas? Does it matter? Well, the riper they are, the sweeter they are. So it's a good way to use up very sweet bananas. But also, the riper they are, the mushier they are. So there's this kind of sweet spot with bananas. Not too brown, not too green. You just want them in that sweet spot. And we'll leave you today with a little trail wisdom from our good friend on the trail, Fennel Hudson. And this is from A Waterside Year, Fennel's Journal number two. He said, My tent doesn't look like much, but... 
As an estate agent might say, it is air-conditioned and has exceptional location. Air-conditioned in the winter and heated <laughs> in the summer. True that. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. If you're looking for fun backpacking books and merch, check out thefirst40miles.com slash shop. We'll see you next time on The First 40 Miles. episodes for you yeah take time off from work get nothing done and go backpacking <laughs> works for me i have no idea what it is because i've forgotten already so i'm super excited to find <laughs> out what i am talking about in this intro <laughs> i'm gonna peek hold on everybody just wait for a sec oh that is a good one oh.